Listen, I just wanted to share a little bit this morning. This is um, our two-year anniversary of the church. And uh, woohoo, yes. Thank you. I'm excited. Um, our first Sunday was, it's, it's actually be two years and two days uh, in Tuesday, but um, our first Sunday was January 31st, a couple years ago. And um, when we first came here, we talked to several people. We had several people tell us that we wouldn't last six months and that we would be folding up and going home after six months. I even had other clergy tell me that and discourage me from trying to even think about church planting or any of that in this area. And although we don't have a thousand members yet, um, and I don't, I'm not discouraged. I'm excited about what God has done in the last two years. He's taken this small group of people and done some really amazing things. We've been able to touch some, some lives and, and see things changed. And, and that excites me because that's what it's really about. I mean, um, we want to see kingdom coming into this area. And I think we've been able to participate with God on some levels um, to see that happen. And so that excites me. It, it excites me to see um, people that we've been able to help not have to go to food pantries anymore. People that we've been able to help, uh, that the Lord has used us to talk to, to, to be encouraged to, to move forward in their life, or the people that I've been able to pray with to commit their life to Christ, the, the healings we've seen, the deliverances we've seen, the different things we've seen in the last two years is, is neat. It's fun to be a part of God's handiwork. And so although this part is, is not growing the way we had hoped, I'm not discouraged by it. The academy is doing some neat things. We didn't even know we were starting an academy when we were here, when we first came here. And now we have an academy with like 15 or 17 students and looking at maybe adding a couple more. And matter of fact, this summer we'll probably be graduating our first student, and that's really exciting. Um, so there's some neat things that the Lord is doing. And, and we haven't gone away. It's been more than six months, and we're not going to go away. I feel like the Lord has put us here, and I'm excited about what He's going to do. You know, and I, and I sit here today, and I really can see a 500-member church that is intergenerational, which we already have, multinational, Kingdom Life Church. Huh? Which we already are. That's right. We've got some South Africans in the house. Yes! So we're already accomplishing part of that vision. And that's amazing to me that we, that we have this. I, I really can see us being that in this community. And not that I'm hung up on the numbers, but the numbers mean that we're an influence in this community, that we are bringing kingdom life to this community. And that's what I believe God has called us to do, to be a kingdom life church in this area, a kingdom life family that brings the influence of heaven into the businesses, into the churches, into the schools, into uh, the media, the arts, everywhere. Not just here on Sunday morning. Amen? And I think that's part of the call for this body. And as we grow, I think that's part of the call on us. Is that, that kingdom life and distributing that throughout our region. Amen? So when Katie and I first set out to start this thing this aspect of what we do, um, because this is just another aspect of what God has called us to. We sat down um, a couple years ago and we were, we were doing our annual prayer and planning kind of session that we do. Um, and we were holed up in the hotel. I think we're in Rome, right? 
I don't remember where we went. Yeah, Rome. We were holed up in Rome in a hotel. And we were praying about what we want Livingstone Church's corporate identity to be. What do we want to be about as a church? What do we want people to, to say, oh, Livingstone is this? You know, we felt like we wanted to get some things on paper that, that really spoke our heart and, 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 and expressed what our heart to the Father was. You know, and I wanted to just share a couple of those this morning. Because we want you guys to understand where we're coming from and what we're trying to move toward and uh, really catch the vision of what we're trying to do here. Because I think, I think God's going to be doing some neat things this year. I'm really excited about 2012 and, and walking in His authority this year. So one of the first things, and, and you guys, if you, you guys know us, you know our heart about this. One of the first things we wanted the house that God was building with us to be about was worship. Worship. That is something that is ingrained in Katie and I. It's, it's, um, it is that place that we first learned true freedom. It is in the place of worship that we were able to get past ourselves and really learn more about God. And, and it, is, it is imperative. And, and not just singing, but we want to create an atmosphere of worship in here. Not just the songs, not just standing up here and, and singing along with the DVD, which is what we do now, but, but even in the midst of that singing with the DVD, whether we have live music or not, I want to be able to create an atmosphere where our heart just cries out to Father God. That we adore Him for who He is and what He's done for us. Because He is good and He is worthy. Amen? And He deserves our praise no matter what, no matter where we're at. Like I said last week, I think it was, uh, and I think I sh maybe I shared it at Start Recovery. I don't remember when I said it, but any situation that we can praise through, we can get through. Amen? Because He inhabits the praises of His people. And if we want His presence in our house, then we need to praise Him. And so worship is something that we want this house to be about. We desire, one of the things that we mentioned and we talked about, and don't throw anything at us for sounding weird, but we, uh, we said we want our worship to demand a response from heaven. We want our worship to be so intense and so intentional and so purposeful that heaven can't help but respond to it. Yes. That I want our hearts going after God that hard that God looks and says, I can't, I can't not do something for them. I can't not look on them with favor. I can't not answer their cry. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, His eyes search to and fro to find a people whose heart is loyal to them that He might show Himself strong to. I want our hearts to be so loyal that God's like, finally, a people that, we can, that I can work with. A group that I can inhabit with. Amen? I want it to be a place where we can encounter God. Where we truly encounter the living God. Because I believe when we encounter the living God, we are changed. I've seen it in my life. The first six months of learning about worship, the first six months at, at, at our, our old church, Joy, was spent on my face up at front. And God set me free from things that have been holding me down for years. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, somebody praying over me, but that, that's a necessary thing and it's good. 
It wasn't any sermon. It was the presence of God that radically changed my life. It was, it was setting aside my flesh, setting aside my fear, and saying, you know what? I want the presence of God more than I want my reputation. I want the presence of God more than I want anything else. And I put myself up front. And people made fun of me for laying. I, I literally laid out in front up at the altar. And there were times I'd get so lost that the pastor would go on preaching and I'd still be laying up front. But it radically changed my life. And if you guys ever feel the need to get up here and lay down, do it. No, I'll go on without you. You don't worry about it. You go with God. I want this house to be a house that's free to worship. If you want to raise your hands, you want to stick your hands in your pocket, you want to kneel, you want to sit, whatever you want to do, how, whatever it takes for you to get into the presence of God. But don't just sit there idly. Go after His presence. Amen? So we want this to be a house of worship. People that desire to see and engage with the heart of Father God. One of the second things that Katie and I talked a lot about is we want this place to be a place of love and acceptance. Period. It's a place that anyone would feel welcome. A place that whether you're a high up or a low down, you feel loved here. I really, I really see this example in Jesus, that it didn't matter who you were, He loved you. You know, and I think about the woman at the well when she was caught in adultery, or the woman that they brought in front of Jesus, that she was caught in adultery, and they wanted to stone her as was their, their custom by law. And Jesus looks at the woman and looks at the guys and says, the one without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone, right? You guys remember that story? And one by one, and I like how it says the elders started dropping their stones first. Maybe they, they had a little better understanding of their own sin. But one by one, the stones were dropped. And Jesus, and, and they all left, and Jesus looks at the woman and says, woman, who condemns you? And she said, no one. And he said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. He didn't condemn her. He didn't judge her. None of it. But out of that place of love is where He corrected her. Because He told her to go sin no more. Correction needed to come. But correction can come without condemnation. And the heart of Father God is to love and accept everybody right where they're at. And out of that place of love, out of that place of relationship, correction can come. Growth can come. But if you don't ever feel loved and accepted, you'll never get past where you walk in the door at. Make sense? Are you with me? So we really want this to be a house of love and acceptance. That no matter what color, what race, or what ethnicity, what uh, social group you're in, or however else you want to divide the human race, I don't care. I want you to feel loved and accepted here. I think that's God's heart. I think that's Jesus' heart. I think that needs to be our heart. So we want this to be a house that, of love and acceptance. We want it to be a house of the Word. Quite simply, the Word has all that we need for life and godliness. We want all that we do to line up with His Word. We don't any, Anything that we do, that is our sounding board. It is more powerful than a two-edged sword. It's living... And it can and will change your life if you apply it. 
Amen? We said that we want it to be a culture of hungry expectation. And this basically means a body of believers that truly seek Him. It kind of goes along with the worship aspect, but more than just the worship. Seeking in every day. Seeking in uh, wherever, wherever your walk takes you. Truly seeking after His will for what you're doing. Because one thing we need to remember and one thing we need to think about is the fact that God wants to move on our behalf more than we want Him to. Okay? We want this place to be an atmosphere for the miraculous. We believe the miraculous should follow us. We've seen it. We want to, we want to develop that in this house. We want to cultivate that. We want to open the door for it and, and leave room for it. We really should be seeing more of that in the church today. I'm not going to get into why we do or don't, but I want to go after it. I want to see people healed. I want to see people delivered. I want to see people prophesying, speaking in tongues, and being set free. We want this to be a house of true freedom, and this is, goes on many levels. Not just in the, the freedom and ability to worship the way that your heart desires, and not just the freedom to uh, cultivate the giftings of the Lord, but also freedom from the bondage of your past. Freedom from the sins that hold you down. Freedom from the hurts and hang-ups and habits, as they say in Celebrate Recovery. But we want it to be a house of freedom. We desire this house to be a place that restores honor to the family. The family has been decimated in recent years. It's been attacked. It's been torn down. Um, the honor has been removed from the father position, from the mother position, and, and the idea of honoring father and mother. So we want to help return honor to family. And the, the last thing that we really desire to see is to see all of those carried out in everyday life in, in the believer. It wasn't meant to stay in these walls. It wasn't meant to stay in the church. It was for those that are around us. We desire kingdom life for everyone in here and for those that will come, for those 500 that will be. We desire kingdom life, and that means carrying all of those things into every aspect of life. We really expect ministry to flow out of this place, not just at this place. And our heart is to see this kind of lifestyle so lived in everyone here and so severely lived out that it transforms this city. And I really believe that we can see this city transformed. I believe it. I really believe it. And I believe that this city can become a template for other cities in this nation. And that people will look and say, well, what's going on there in Fort Payne? I really believe it. I believe that one day the president will have to come out, whoever's there will have to make a visit here to find out what we're doing right. And how it was that this sleepy little sock mill town that lost all the jobs changed everything and the jails are being emptied out and there's nobody in the hospital because there's just health and healing everywhere you go. 
That people are walking radically transformed and walking in the presence of God every day. That we are sending out missionaries from this area that transform other cities. That our education system lifts up the name of God and teaches real truth. That our government has men and women of integrity. That our city council would have men and women of integrity that seek the righteousness of the Holy One. That every demonic power that now holds this city down would be abolished in the name of Jesus. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. I believe it, and I think it's coming. And I think we have a part to play in that. Mm -hmm. We few, we proud few, as they say. (laughs) I don't think it's about the numbers. I think it's about the heart. I know a lot of you guys know that story of... um, of the Spartans that came against the, was it the Polynesians or whoever it was? Those 300 men that came across the greatest nation and they defended and they held out. We can do that. Because the thing is, we serve the God of the angel armies. So around every one of these hills stands warring angels waiting. Mm -hmm. Waiting for us to move forward. We're not waiting on them. They're waiting on us. When we decide to walk in the fullness of our calling and the fullness of our destiny in Jesus, they'll be dispatched. They're waiting for orders from us. Think about that. Now, I think we have some strategy that the Lord has given us, that Katie and I have kind of tried to follow and put in place in different ways. I know you guys have heard me talk about it. And I'm just going to throw it out there again. You know, we talk about the seven mountains. And we know how in, in society there are seven things that, that drive a culture. We know it's the business, the education, the family, the religion, the arts and entertainment, the media, and the government, right? And so we have tried as a ministry, and we still seek after setting up uh, prayer objectives for that uh, setting up encouragement opportunities for that, setting up ways to get into those different areas and be an influence. And each of you have a responsibility to one of those mountains. Every one of you, from the youngest to the oldest. You have a responsibility in one of those mountains. You are all called to one of those mountains. It may be the family. It may be the business. But you are all called to be shepherds in one of those mountains. Because God doesn't want His presence just in these four walls. God wants His presence in that entire city out there. And you know, the truth is, they need it. This city needs the presence of God. Amen? And I believe if we'll live out kingdom life in all those areas and and take kingdom life into those seven mountains, we will see this city transformed. I'll even go so far as to say I guarantee it. I believe it. I believe it. We were here Friday and we were praying and man, just had a sweet, sweet time of fellowship Friday. It was, it was intense. Um, God just showed up and we just laid out. Um, and, I, and I love that. I love, there's a song on there that says, yeah, I love your presence. And that's, 
I do. I love the presence of God. There's nothing like it. It's a, oh, not to be cliche or to quote those hip-hop guys, but they, all, they always say there's no high like the most high. And that's a truth. That's a reality. But so we were here Friday praying, and, and I was standing over by the map of Fort Payne, and I was laying my hands on it, and I was weeping over the city. I, I couldn't help it. But I was praying for the city, I was weeping, and I was crying out for the city to become the city that God designed for it. And I felt in my spirit the Lord say that it has to be developed into it. The idea being that, he said, I felt like he said, it needs to be developed into the city that I designed. The idea being that even with the knowledge of what you want to see, like if you have blueprints for a building, you still have to develop that thing. You still have to build it, right? Yes. It doesn't just become what you want it to be because you know what you want it to be. You have to work for it, right? And I felt like he was also saying this was true for my life and in me. For me to be what he designed me to be, I'm going to have to develop some things. And I believe it's also true for your life. For you to walk into what God has designed for you to be. And the fullness, there are things you have to develop. It's a process that has to take place. Work that has to be done. And I believe that it could be said for this church too, that we are, there are things we need to develop. And I believe the last two years we've spent working on our identity and what our corporate identity is. And we're still laying some of that foundation work. And I'm okay with that. Because when we get to a place when other people are trying to steer the ship, we'll already know where we're headed and we won't have to worry about it. But he has a plan and a destiny for each one of us. And we need to spend that time developing it. And this is, I was praying, really felt like this is where our tagline comes in, guys. You know, we, we say Livingstone Ministries, we want to encourage, equip, and empower people into the fullness of their destiny, right? You see it on everything we got, encourage, equip, empower. And I believe there are three ways that God gave us in the beginning that I don't even know that Katie and I fully understood what he was saying to us back then, but it's becoming more clear now how important these things are. And I just want to share about them real quick and then we're going to move on. Number one, encourage. This is the relationship building aspect of things. This is where we stand with people side by side. We're, not maybe, we're maybe not trying to tell them what to do. We're not maybe trying to correct them all the time or judge what they're doing, but we're just encouraging them. You can make it. You can go one more step. One more step. You got more in you. There's more in you. You're not done yet. It's where we come alongside people and put hope in them. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, I heard him teach one time, and he talked about encouragement and that uh, he said, when you encourage somebody, you're putting courage in them. And I really like that. And that's what you're doing with encouragement. You're taking that courage from God and putting it into the person you're with. Because we need courage to walk in this world. We need courage to make the hard decisions. We need courage to walk through the challenges that face us because the enemy's not going to give us a free ride. He's going to screw with us every corner he gets a chance. It's a reality. But we're to create a sense of hope because a sense of hope 
stimulates growth. So we're to put that courage in them to help them continue to seek the right path. Because discouragement is a powerful weapon from the enemy, but encouragement is the antidote. Amen? If you wanted a biblical example, think Barnabas. You see him in Scripture time and again. They even call him the son of encouragement. He comes along those people that nobody else believes in and stands by them and say, there's, there's something in this one. I'm going to stand with them. And that's what you see Barnabas doing. So you could call this the, the Barnabas stage of relationship when you're just coming alongside somebody and trying to build them up till they can maybe start taking some steps on their own. We all need somebody to come alongside us every now and again. Encouragement that isn't something that ever stops. We should be doing that every day. Trying to find a way to encourage the people around us. Amen. The second one is equip. This is sort of the second part of that. After you've got them to where maybe they can stand up a little bit and you've built the relationship where they're starting to trust you, you can begin to speak into their life. You can begin to help give them tools to seek out and to do the things that God has called them into. You know, we all have a destiny God's called us into, but we all need to be equipped to be able to do it. And that's where this comes in. That training, that mentoring, that teaching. It's a, it's a hard process sometimes. Sometimes you'll get calls that you don't know the answers to. But you do your best to equip them. And we don't have to worry about getting people to the finish line. But if they're at, bay, at point A, we want to get them to point B. We don't have to, you know, wherever somebody's at in their walk, we try to equip them to go the next step. Does that make sense? So we try to equip them. We try to give them the tools to accomplish whatever task it is. Like for if, we, if you're working with a businessman, you know, uh, like something Katie and I talked about, working with a businessman, then we try to find opportunities to do personality testings or uh, like we did the business owner dinner uh, and, you know, just ways to encourage them in what God has called them into. So we try to equip people. You want a biblical example? Think Paul. We see him in Scripture time and time again, encouraging and, and training people and mentoring and correcting. This is a place where you can bring correction if you need to, but that correction must come out of a place of love, not out of a place of condemnation. And the third one is empower. Because encouraged people and equipped people, they need an outlet for what they want to do, what they feel like God is calling them to do. They just need that one more thing. That's opportunity. And so we try to create opportunity for people to walk in the gifts and calling the Lord has placed on them. It's a releasing people into their fields. If, you feel like, if they feel like they're supposed to do uh, youth work, have them help with the youth. If they're supposed to deliver meals, we have them help with the meals. Whatever aspect it is. And it doesn't have to be in the church. It can be in their business. It can be in wherever. But try to help them find opportunities to be released into the, into the fullness of what they have in them which also includes allowing them to make their own mistakes. You can't micromanage people because that's a discouragement to people sometimes. And so the heart is to, to give them that opportunity. And I know that you know, it's hard in the church. We want to micromanage. I have to fight it sometimes. But we have to trust the Jesus in them because they need to learn too as well. 
And unless we let them walk out in that, they'll never learn how to trust that Jesus in themselves. And so sometimes empowering is simply backing off. And that's, that's a hard one for people like Katie and I to do. But you've got to let them learn from their success and mistakes. Because the reality is God's grace is bigger than our ability as people to screw things up. If you want to think about a biblical example, think Jesus. Think Jesus. How He anointed His disciples and sent them out. And He let them fail. He didn't stand over them. He said, this is how you're going to do it. He encouraged them, He equipped them, and He sent them out. He gave them the opportunity. And some of them failed. But He didn't condemn them. He showed them what they did wrong and moved forward. Amen? Mm -hmm. He gave them the opportunity to learn how to walk the way He walked. So no matter where we're at in, in our relationship stage with the people around us, whether it's the Barnabas stage or Paul or Jesus stage, they all should be continually working together. We should be continually encouraging, continually equipping, and continually empowering. It's a, it's a growth cycle. What, what it really comes down to, guys, is this. It really comes down to having a heart mindset to put others ahead of yourself. That means putting others' dreams, others' time, others' resources, others' visions, and other people's issues ahead of yours. It means no matter how excited you are about something, maybe you just have to hold on to it and let somebody share what they're excited about. It means that, you know, sometimes it's not all about us. I believe that this process of putting others ahead of us will not only help those that we're working with to grow, it'll help us grow. It's a process of growth where everyone involved grows. Because the reality is I need to be humbled. And so I need to encourage someone else. And I need to empower someone else to do something maybe I want to do. I need to be encouraged, so I need to encourage someone else. Because when you see somebody else lifted up, it does your own heart good. I need to be equipped. And so I need to train someone else. Because in the process of training someone else, you learn better too. So we need to encourage, equip, and empower. Katie and I, that's, that's our heart for for this church, for the city. And it really is more than just a tagline that we just thought sounded, sounded kind of neat. It really is our heart. It really is what we want to be about, what we want this church to be about. It's, it's a heart attitude, guys. And we want this, this ministry, it's, we want the... the we want that to be the lifestyle that this ministry has and that this ministry produces. And we want it to be wherever it is, whether it's in the arts, entertainment, media, government, family, any of those mountains. We want to see people equipped and empowered and encouraged to walk in the fullness of their destiny. 
in every area of life. That's what we want to do as a ministry. That's what we want to do as a family. Amen. We want to encourage you guys sitting here this morning and help you take that next step. We want to equip you if we can in whatever it is that you're facing. And we want to empower you. If there's things that God has on your heart, let us help you fulfill that. I don't believe, I heard a guy say it one time and it kind of got in me and I believe it now. He said, I don't remember who it was, but he said, you'll never see your vision fulfilled until you help somebody else fulfill theirs. And I believe that. And that's our heart. So I have a, two things I want to give you. One thing I want to just share real quick. First of all, I was thinking through this thing. Okay, it's two years. Should we do some kind of celebrating? I've already been accused by other people that I don't celebrate enough. And I don't honor special occasions and days. And so I was kind of thinking, well, what can we do to, to sort of celebrate? And I wanted to just, I, I looked it up. I know this is cheesy, but I looked it up online. And it said cotton is the two-year gift for anniversaries, Okay. And, you know, I was looking at that last night, and I'm like, what am I going to do with cotton? And then this morning, as I was driving over to the church, I realized, as a believer, as Christians, as warriors in the kingdom, we have two powerful, powerful weapons. The first one is the sword. The sword is, is, is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, is mighty for pulling down strongholds. And the second one is the towel. Now, these are washcloths, not towels, but you get the idea. Where Jesus, in humility and love, washed his servants' feet. One of the problems with the church we've had is we've used the sword on people and the towel with the demons. <laughs> we got it backward in the church for time. We use the sword of the Spirit on the enemy and the towel of service and servanthood to the people. And so it kind of struck me this morning that it was fitting that it's cotton. And as a reminder, because encouraging, equipping, and empowering, it takes humility. It takes a, a heart attitude of service. And so I wanted to give each family a towel to remind us that we're to serve, that we're to love, that we're to... We'll give everybody white since we have that number. That it's just a reminder that it's not about... Well, that it is about. That it's about serving one another. That it's about loving one another and honoring one another. And that sometimes, really all the time, we need to pull out that towel and wash other people's feet. Maybe not literally, but spiritually, emotionally. That we need to put ourselves in a place that honors those around us. That loves those around us even if they've got dirty, stinky, nasty feet. And when you set your heart and mind to truly serve someone else, it's amazing what God will do. It really is. So with that in mind, Owen, come here please. Let's pass these out, son.
Here, you take those. I'll take these. Give it to them. Give everybody one. Uh, I have this sheet for you guys. You guys need a pen? And there's three questions on this sheet. Well, actually six. But it's quite simply, who can I encourage? Who can I equip? Who can I empower? And then underneath each one is, how will I do it? See, it doesn't, doesn't do us any good to just sit up here and talk about stuff if we're not willing to put feet to it. It doesn't do any good for me to sit up here and just holler at you guys for 30 minutes on Sunday if you're not going to do anything with it. Right? And sometimes a simple act of writing something down helps make a commitment. Thank you, son. Is that everybody? Does everybody have a sheet? Um, and so I want us to take a few minutes to pray. And I'm just going to pray. And then I want us to fill this out. I want us to honestly seek God. And, you know, you could have a different person in each one, or you can have the same person in all three. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart. And then after that, we'll have some cupcakes. Sound good? So uh, let's pray and uh, let's fill this out.